Today's episode of Lions of Liberty contains a little bit of adult language and a whole lot of fun. So hi, the kids. Grab yourself a drink and enjoy the show. You're going the easy route. You're swimming upstream. <laughs> we're going salmon style. That's what we're doing. Exactly. We're the salmons of liberty here in California. What I find, though, is that, is that New Hampshire, because it's a small... <laughs> It's all right. We can all take a moment to laugh at Salmon's of Liberty. We can all enjoy that. Was a, I, that was a good joke, Mark. I'll, I'll be rebranding the show as that in a couple of weeks. That's going to be the spinoff. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back. My LOL cats to the Lions of Liberty podcast, your home for great conversations about the ideas of liberty. And we're going to have another one today, a little roundtable discussion with a very special guest in this episode number 212. And that's important to know because you can find the show notes today featuring links to everything we discuss over at lionsofliberty.com slash 212. And before we get into the show, I want to remind you about our great sponsors at libertymaniacs.com. Dot com, your home for killer Liberty gear, whether it's t-shirts, bumper stickers, you name it, they got it. LibertyManiacs.com. Use the discount code Lions of Liberty to get 10% off your entire order. That's Lions of Liberty. Get 10% off your order. What more can you ask for? Well, besides 100%, but come on, you got to pay something here to our man, Dan McCall, who's actually fighting a lawsuit against Bernie Sanders of all people. And as I mentioned today, we've got another one of our famous roundtables where I will welcome in a few guests to discuss some liberty topics of the day over a few adult beverages. Yes, indeedy, it is time for another edition of Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. And because nobody needs to hear me talk to myself for an hour, whether I'm drinking or otherwise, I will now welcome in my panel of guests, starting with a gentleman under the loosest definition of the word, of course, who happens to live just about a mile down the street from me over there on Culver Boulevard. I almost gave your full address away. He is our resident Rand Paul watchdog, the ranter, the raver, Mr. Brian McWilliams. That's me, baby. What's you going know, I haven't on? been watching Rand Paul as closely as I had. I know that he did get elected, well, not elected, but the uh, the Republicans in Kentucky did name him as their candidate in the primary. And what I'm sure was a, a very uh, nail-biting moment of whether he was going to win that primary. So yeah, are, a lot of, when a lot you of say people going, shrugging and being like, yeah, well, obviously. When you say you're not, talk like that, when you say you're not watching as closely, are you, are you saying you watch him now from the street instead of like from right outside his window or? Yeah, pretty much. I, I installed an app on his phone, so I don't really have to do that much actively now. I hope he doesn't. He doesn't listen to this podcast. It should be fine. Well, we you know that what's there. All right. And uh, are, are you having an adult beverage over there? Or I don't want to be drinking alone here. Well, should I recount the adult beverages we've had? I, mean, uh, yeah, I know had you're at happy hour. Ciders. So. I've had a okay. fireball shot chilled, oh which oh, was Jesus. disgusting, by the way. Drink your fireball warm, people. Otherwise, it's syrupy and gross. Thick. Like who, are, who are the 22-year-old girls you were out with drinking these, drinking these fruity drinks? Oh, you, I, you want me to reveal? You want me to pull back to the kimono and, and tell you who I've been drinking with? Maybe you, you should say that not be in the room. Maybe you should save that one. Rico, come on in. I know you're sitting right there next to Brian. We can't, we can't keep this charade up any longer. That's right. Usually hailing from Cleveland or sometimes Hawaii or did you call me a peckerhead, by the way? I did. All right. I just wanted to, I glossed over that, that insult as if it was nothing, but uh, I don't want to let it go. It needs to be revealed. And what are you drinking there, pal? I'm drinking a combination of Bud Light and Johnny Walker as any 
upstanding libertarian would the, do. The, it sounds like things should go really well here today, but based on what I'm hear, hearing from awesome. you guys. And, uh, you know, I believe, well, not I believe, I know for a fact that lastly, but not leastly, we've got a special, special guest on with us today. She is a longtime libertarian activist and writer. She is currently a contributor to the Libertarian Republic. She is Miss Ovens O'Brien. Ovens, welcome to Lions of Liberty. Hey there. Thank you for having me. Of course. And uh, I, I believe you are also drinking along with us tonight. I am. I'm drinking a uh, hard ginger ale, but it's one of those twist top off things. So it, I don't think it's that hard. Really. Is that like is that like a Mike's hard lemonade or kind of thing? <laughs> it's probably in that that spectrum of alcohol. But I had my uh, my hard li- liquor is still packed up from a move. So I went with this. <laughs> Now, Ovens, there's a reason we have you on the show tonight. You're actually going to come back on the show uh, in, a, in a few weeks for a, a more formal interview, but you were actually at the Libertarian debate that took place uh, last Monday in Las Vegas, hosted by Penn Jillette. And uh, for me, I, for people listening right now, they're hearing this on a Monday. I'm going to let you behind the scenes for a minute. This is being recorded before the weekend, before this debate is actually released on The Blaze. Look, I don't watch The Blaze. I don't even know how to watch The Blaze. I'm probably not going to see this thing till it finds its way to YouTube. But you were there live, and you're going to be sort of our, our expert witness, so to speak, at what all, all the shenanigans that went on there at the debate. Uh, you were live tweeting the whole thing, and you wrote a nice little write-up for us. So we're going to use you as a sort of our insider here on this. But before we do that... Why don't you kind of give everybody the uh, the quick Ovens O'Brien elevator speech? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship with the Liberty Movement and say, I don't know, 90 seconds or less. I'm not going to time you, though. <laughs> sure. Um, so my relationship with the Liberty Movement is, uh, well, <laughs> I was actually born into the Liberty Movement. Uh, it's like, uh, what's that quote from uh, um, like the Dark Knight Rises or something where Bane's talking about uh, being born into the darkness and oh, yeah, the rest that of you, goes, the, rest you had to adopt the darkness, right? Like that's 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 me. I, I, I was born into this. Uh, the, the the light blinds me, etc. Um, so I, uh, yeah, my parents were libertarian activists who um, who worked on the 1972 Hospers campaign. They knew Murray Rothbard back in the day, things like that. And um, yeah, I was raised in a crazy libertarian, like Ayn Rand quoting, homeschooling libertarian family. And so um, I've been doing libertarian activism literally my entire life. And uh, in 2006 to 2008, I was actually vice chair of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. And then I've been involved in non-libertarian party stuff, but a lot of uh, localized activism. Um, I go to a lot of different events and I write for a number of publications. So I'm I'm just always around to be... Um, a lot of my, my non-libertarian friends see me as like that libertarian they actually like. And so I'm very happy to have that particular <laughs> special designation in people's hearts. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I would say, uh, my biggest contribution to the liberty movement is being just a, a Facebook agitator that creates discussions where libertarians and non-libertarians have a lot of, uh, of conversations and I enjoy it thoroughly. I mean, I do notice that about you, like uh, on your Facebook posts. I mean, you're always looking to generate good conversations and, and it really does seem like you have people from across the spectrum. I mean, you get the crazy hardcore anarchist libertarians in there arguing, but you also get people that are clearly from the left. A lot of people that are clearly just like independent, regular people that don't necessarily think about this stuff too deeply, but do like to have these conversations when they don't feel threatened by, you know, a, a crazy, uh, crazy libertarian. So you somehow managed to be one of us and have maybe more so than many of us being raised this way, essentially. And yet, uh, you know, you're not you're not scaring them away like so many tend to do. Hey, hold on. I do have a follow up question here. Follow away. So you're, in, you're in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always, you know, New Hampshire likes to, to paint itself in the colors of liberty. Yet when it comes time to vote, it's like at eh, two percent actually go for libertarian candidates. 
Give me your take on that, because I feel like it's there's a disconnect between the way that they like to brand themselves and the actual opinions of the populace. Well, I think that uh, New Hampshire is an interesting place because when you're when you look at New Hampshire, yes, they don't tend to vote libertarian themselves, but when you actually look at the um, at the at, at factors of the state, um, New Hampshire is the only state with no seatbelt law um, if you're over eighteen, no helmet law if you're over eighteen. Um, it has no sales ta- uh, no sales tax, no income tax. Um, and there's just, there's a, there's a general spirit in New Hampshire. Even the Democrats have gun licenses and, and, uh, and even the Republicans aren't like overly aggressive on reproductive choice. I, I find that there's just, it's an interesting middle ground of, of kind of a transpartisan situation sometimes. And, and then you get the hardline Republicans, the hardline Democrats, but you, you, uh, you find that there's just an interesting avenue where people really don't want, um, uh, they don't want more government than they have generally. There's a there's there's certainly some some contingents working on on raising that, but um and it has changed. I mean, I've been gone for I moved uh, I moved west in 2000, 2010, and so there's definitely um, been changes there. But but I would say that it's a it's a it's a fairly libertarian state in in some ways, and of course, the Free State Project has kind of made a name for itself there, um, for good or ill. And mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know. I growing up there, I mean, it was it was a great environment to grow up in. And when people, when Free Staters are like, "Why did you move?" I'm like, "It was such a wonderful place to grow up in, but it's a very difficult place to like." I don't know, be, become yourself, especially when everyone knows. I'll you. tell you what, those guys really want you to move to New Hampshire. I, I don't mean you per se, but like everybody, like if you, oh, they're adamant. you cannot say that it's, you you want to do anything but live in New Hampshire for some of these guys. I got into like a crazy Facebook discussion with some of them like a year ago. Most of them are great. I've had a couple of guys from that free state project on the show, but some of them are like, if you're not moving to New Hampshire, you are a Nazi and you are part of the problem. Like, whoa, I just, you know, I like Southern California. What can I say? I'm not going to move because uh, there's a few laws I don't like. Well, exactly. do you want to de- you, we want to deconstruct things from the inside. You guys are playing into it. Oh, you're going the easy route. You're swimming upstream. <laughs> we're going salmon style. That's what we're doing. Exactly. We're the salmons of liberty here in California. What I find, though, is that, is that New Hampshire, because it's a small... <laughs> It's all right. We can all take a moment to laugh at Salmon's of Liberty. I enjoy that. Was a, I, that was a good joke, Mark. I'll, I'll be rebranding the show as that in a couple of weeks. That's going to be the spinoff. <laughs> Need to get a new logo designed. But here's the thing is that New Hampshire is a very small state. There's 1.1 million people or so. And I grew up in a, in a city of about 120,000 people. And it's a neighborhood. Like I go into New Hampshire and people know me and they recognize me. And like it's some, some woman that knew me when I was a kid who babysat me just I run into her at the supermarket. And so the, what I find is what I love about living in SoCal is that there's there's an anonymity that happens when you live in a city of millions of people. And so uh, there's a great quote from uh, I think like the great Gatsby where they uh, where the, the woman says she loves large parties because it's the only place where there's truly intimacy and privacy. And I, I almost find that the case in a city like Los Angeles. Angeles, where people aren't paying attention to me because they've got all sorts of other stuff going on. Whereas in New Hampshire, it's these small towns and everybody wants to know what the heck you're up to because they know your mother and your brother and your and everyone. And so I, I actually, I love living in, in LA from a libertarian standpoint because I feel much less like I'm being spied upon by my neighbors. 
And yet you are being spied upon. We're all, we're all being <laughs> well, spied upon. Well, everyone's spied on by the NSA, but if I'm in New Hampshire, I'm also getting spied upon. Like, you have literal, you have people it. at your windowsill, literally. Once again. <laughs> you know, like you and Rand Paul. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty impressive that you can knock out a Dark Knight Rises quote and a Great Gatsby spot with a, with a quote within a 10 minute span. So, oh, I got more. So kudos. I'm a movie. Well, just the only one that was actually at the debate. The rest of us were cramming, uh, wa- trying to watch the YouTubes of the debate and read the recast. Well, she's just got time to read Gatsby. <laughs> it's not fair, frankly. All right, so before we get into this debate, I just want to do a quick check to see if Rico's alive. Rico, are you still there? I am. I'm okay, just cool. enjoying the banter. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> he knows he's not. I don't want to hear from you. I just want to make sure your heart's still. I'm the slow one of the group. He's, he's a lawyer used to having specific times when yes. he can make arguments. He'll yell objection. I object. Yeah, exactly. Did you? Yeah, just occasionally yell that you object to something or rejection, um, which is what he yells after he gets turned down at bars. I'm just gonna ask for a recess every time you ask me a question, and then we'll come <laughs> back in an hour. <laughs> And he gets paid for that time. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot about your hourly rate. We should probably hurry this thing along. So, uh, as I mentioned, Ovens, you were at this debate, and uh, you're the only one on the show that's, that's seen it at this point. But hopefully by the time some people this airs, some people will have. Wait, wait. I saw the early part, which was two hours. You didn't see any of it. This is not long. aired anywhere yet. No, the, the RT debate. We're not right? talking about that, no, man. It's Where not you the RT been? Debate. No oh, my God. I watched two hours of Mark Feldman <laughs> no, debating we can, the JV Libertarian. Hey, man, I, we can talk about it. I like a lot, oh, he I has like those a lot guys. of notes. Wow. I, have a lot, I will I just, attest to this. Half of the notes are just me typing, who the fuck is Kevin McCormick over and over again? <laughs> Don't you always think Kevin McAllister when you read Kevin McCormick? Yes. <laughs> Which is why he's got my book. Full alone reference. The fact that he puts his hands on his cheeks and screams into the camera every question doesn't help. <laughs> And he also hugged a homeless woman covered in bird feces at the end of the second debate. That's a weird reference. Wait, that, that really happened? That. Oh, wait. That's that a Home Alone 2 oh, reference. That was so good. <laughs> <gasps> Kevin! <laughs> Kevin! It's like Jesus. She's covered in bird shit, Kevin. Oh, like Jesus. Wash your hands. Back away. Don't worry. I will link to Home Alone 2 in the show notes so everybody can go see what the hell we're talking about. We will be watching about. Home Alone 2. I have four birds at home. I actually really understand this problem. Ovens <laughs> <laughs> uh, is covered in bird shit daily. <laughs> Pretty much. I live in bird shit. Okay, so, so I, I did actually watch that RT debate too. So why don't we why don't we touch on that for a bit? Because you know what I like? I like the, I mean, honestly, I know nothing about Kevin McCormick until until I turned that on and discovered he existed. Uh, I couldn't, I didn't really get much of a vibe from him. He seems like uh, a nice guy. And uh, that's, that's really all I got. But I, I really enjoy Mark Feldman and Daryl Perry. I, I, I've interviewed both of them and I, I really, I mean, Daryl's what everybody calls the, the, you know, the, the principal guy, the guy that's here to push the message. And I think he certainly is. And I, I really uh, enjoy hearing him try to push that quote unquote purist message. And, and Mark Feldman has really surprised me because I kind of brushed him off originally as just this quirky, quirky old Jewish doctor that, that was running. And uh, he is a quirky old Jewish doctor, but he's he's actually like a really intelligent guy. And ha- I think he has a really unique take on a lot of things while still really kind of espousing a lot of the same beliefs. So uh, what, what, did you, what did you think, Brian? What, what do you have in your notes about these guys? I got a well, OK, first thing I had to start off with is everybody has to go and just watch the RT debate. If for no other reason than the host of it, the male host is one of the most wasn't odd persons a, I've ever seen in I my life. I think it was, wasn't that Jesse Ventura's son? I hope to God I think it, it was. was. It was Tyler Ventura, right? Honestly, it looked like a son of Richard Nixon and Christopher Walken. That's what he reminded me of. Because he spoke like, he looks like Nixon and he kind of talks like, he's like, welcome to the RT Libertarian debate. But then he also has his cadence like Christopher Walken and it's bizarre. You gotta watch it. Yeah, that's, that's, that is Tyler Ventura. That's Jesse Ventura's son. Oh my God, crazy. 
Anyway, so that guy aside, though, I liked Feldman before. Like we, you know, we had talked about the fact that Feldman had grown on us. But then in this debate, he actually took a step back for me because he was just talking crazy shit. Crazy shit. What did he say that was so crazy? <laughs> let me give. I, he I, didn't rap, which was disappointing because oh, I love his, his example. Uh, let me lay him out. OK, uh, well, I did like he acknowledged his own boring demeanor with a horribly flat joke about anesthesia. So kudos <laughs> to you, Feldman. <laughs> um, OK, so here was one quote. So he said companies he was asked about, you know, kind of corporate how to handle corporations. He goes, companies are not designed to help people. What we need to do is change the environment and make up and make sure that if they make a profit, they have to be socially responsible. What? Whoa. What the hell does that mean? That sounds like some liberal talk to me. Is, is there any way to spin that positively? I like how you got so mad that you audibly got further away from the mic. Like, you, like, you, <laughs> like you're, I, I, the anger out of your mouth like pushed you against the wall. I know. I had to back up because I was like, I'm yelling. People are going to, their eardrums are going to explode. <laughs> but no, it was like, it was like, what is he talking Rico, about? Rico, do you object? What's that? I object. <laughs> there we go. But literally, in that circumstance, what's he? What's he saying there? You have you're going to force co- of corporations to what? Uh, accept green initiatives to give back to society. If you're going to force them to even out, if you're going to make every for every cent of profit you make, you have to give half a cent of profit back. You know, like it's a it's a ridiculous well, statement. Like on nonprofits, you know, you have to kind of set forth an objective, a mission statement, so to speak, and follow those guidelines. And it's almost sounding like he's saying if you're a corporation, which is really just a a structure for tax purposes, that you need to follow those guidelines as well, which is definitely involving a lot of government control into the whole matter, yeah. which well, and he, not very libertarian to me. Right. And he prefaced that. Actually, here's the funny thing. You're, like What you're saying is uh, obviously correct, but he also prefaced by saying that corporations are designed to make profit and they owe it to the shareholders to make profit. So it's like, okay, so you acknowledge that these are private individuals that are playing into this corporation, and yet you still want to undermine the corporation by a government force, a coercive force, there's no other way to do it. So I'm curious, though, as I don't I don't know what the exact quote was, and I don't know if you had quoted him exactly and if I just didn't hear it properly. But, I mean, the notion that, um, that corporations may have a social obligation, not a governmental one, but one that people that, – that, that the market can choose to reward a corporation that um, – that kind of plays nice in terms of social responsibility isn't, isn't, you know, is that isn't non-libertarian. Like if I decide that I want to shop at one store instead of another or one company instead of another, because I find that they're friendlier to the environment or, you know, uphold my stances on, let's say gay marriage or whatever, whatever the position I might hold is, then as if, if, if we as a society, not as government, but as, as a a group of individuals who each, you know, shop somewhere, decide that they're going to go to one business instead of another because they like their social practices on top of their business practices, that's not necessarily unlibertarian. I just don't know what his quote was, so I'm not going to. No, I agree. That, and you, no, you have a good counterpoint there, and I agree with it. And maybe I'm reading too much into it because I was just so disappointed by the way he brought it across. Because basically he said that he wanted to change the environment to make sure that if they make a profit, they have to be socially responsible. So maybe then, it, maybe it is to, to your point, what he's saying is that we have to change the cultural environment around it where people are saying, okay, if, you do, if you're going to make a profit, we insist that you – 
give back. Yeah, it's not it's not exactly clear, I guess, from maybe that exact quote. But I don't know. I guess from from actually interviewing him and hearing him other other places, I'd, I'd be surprised if he really advocated government force in that sense. But he could be more clear about statements like that for sure. Especially because when most people hear that, they're going to think maybe government or what are laws and that kind of thing. Right. There was he also had a kind of a weird discussion point when they were talking about the whole food waste issue, which I, I guess that's a, a big deal, apparently. Um, but he, he was criticizing the high calorie, low fiber foods that were marketed to the people. And he <laughs> was very against that. And uh, I, I don't have the exact quote, but oh. it seems to. Oh, well, Brian say, does. I, I have that. I have that in my notes okay. as well. well. I'll turn to the man to my right. Then. Rico, well, Rico and I were talking about this uh, as we were having a drink before to prepare for yeah. the blah or for yeah. the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, but we were talking about this actually as we were preparing, quote unquote. And yeah, the, uh, the quote is, and again, I don't have the exact quote either, but the quote is essentially, he says that he blames a lot of the food waste, like Rico was saying on marketing that targets people and forces the, them to, uh, to buy into these high calorie, high fat foods. And basically says that what we need to do is fight that somehow. And uh, then he went on to say something and I, and I got to pull up the exact quote because this was crazy. And I listened to it four times and I still couldn't get the exact thing, <laughs> but he listened to it four times. So it, it was crazy. I, I'm, he, I'm just the, the image of you just, just going back on your YouTube and trying to like, write well, down this quote so is so still, on YouTube. Like I couldn't, it wasn't long enough. It's a two hour debate of these three undercards. So every time I click back, it would go back seven minutes and I would go insane. <laughs> they really need like a 15 second back. Button. If, I could, right. if I could interject, just reading Brian's notes, which I find funny. You may interject. Here's a bullet point. Feldman goes off the rails. Sometimes it's like Ron Burgundy debating. <laughs> <It is>. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost enough for me to support him. It was. Seriously, it's like, it's like Abe Simpson. He's like, let me tell you. And he just goes <laughs> off on his weird tangent. But no, okay, so let me get to the point here. Is that he goes, he's talking about this high cal foods and how marketing is the problem and selling it, which again is anti-capitalism. Look, if they're going to market what they're going to market, you can't force people to or well, say like, you it's can't one, advertise like, Kind of like Ovens was saying, like, I don't know. It's, it's one thing to say, you know, these companies are marketing things that are bad for people and that should change. But I, I guess we just have to be clear about how that change should occur. And, and that I guess it's maybe not that necessarily clear what he was trying to say. Maybe he's calling for a populist uprising against these marketing tactics, which might be the case, but it, without being spe- without specifying, it just comes across as advertising bad, you know, corporation advertising bad. And let me get this. I added this one thing out because it was so it was so weird. <laughs> So after after he said that advertising was to blame, he then went on this weird this weird journey into uh, Bizarro Land, where he then said that. Hold on, let me look at my notes here. Okay, he said, be good. <laughs> no, it, it it is good. He he said something along the lines of that. You know, people we're we're, we're feeding people, and you know what? People only need to eat when they need to be fed. And we I do remember that line, actually. You remember that? I remember him saying something about people like only eating when they're when they need to be fed or something. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, what? We should only feed these people when they need to be fed. Not when they no, he says we shouldn't feed them when they're hungry. <laughs> we should feed them when they need to be fed. It was only it was an analogy. It was some kind of analogy he was trying to make. But I, I'll admit it went over my head. It just it, well, it came across as basically sounded like he just like 
let's just starve these people until we have to feed them central the planning on when people get fed <laughs> i mean look i again i could be maybe i have to do a follow-up interview with mark feldman and then read I, all these these quotes back to him and let him ex- explain my exact notes. maybe i can get him on right now actually i have his <laughs> skype i mean i him up but look and i like mark, mark it's mark feldman. like i went into this debate being like all right, I can't wait to hear what Mark Feldman has to say. And then I was like, just shaking my head, going, what the fuck is Mark Feldman talking about? Uh, he had some good points, though, too. He had a great point in foreign aid for Israel, that Israel's required to spend a lot of the aid we give them on U.S. weapons. It's something like so, 70% or 80% yeah, of the aid like is a, actually... It's just a subsidy. It's, it's ridiculous. Exactly. It's, it's corporate welfare for the United States. Yeah, and then he had a good plan on... Uh, you know, they asked these guys about their their plan for taking care of the elderly and the infirm and that kind of stuff and how we'd handle that. And he said basically that you get a tax credit on a charitable donation. So you can write that off 100% if you want to give $1,000 towards helping people that are... I love that plan of his, that whole whatever you... I mean, if you send all of your tax liability to private charities, that's your tax liability. Right, exactly. And I think that's great. And nobody can be like, oh, well, we're we're not still getting the money. I mean, you're not getting the money, but the money is still going to services that people need. Right. Can I kind of shift gears here a little bit? Shift away because we do need Find to shift. my gears. We do need to shift to the main the main event well, debate sooner than later. This is something I was actually thinking about a little bit today and and yesterday, and it, it ties Deep into thoughts by Rico. Maybe some of the uh, statements Feldman made could be chalked up to inexperience because none of these guys, save for Gary Johnson, have any political experience really at all. Uh, unless I'm missing something, I'm probably well. John out. McAfee was battling the Belize government. Yeah. <laughs> That's that is political <laughs> not, experience. I well, mean, schooled in you know, like Hillary Clinton's been in politics for 30, 40 years. Uh, I mean, he, he might been, not be crafting his statements so much ahead of time as other people yeah, are. Uh, Donald Trump's been you know in the public eye. He knows how to work the media, but these guys are, are novices. And is the Libertarian Party? Would it be better served if somehow someone could move up through the ranks? Is it even possible to move up through the ranks, you know, local, state, federal, then run for president with a strong libertarian background or? I mean, I think it's hard to get libertarians elected on any level, to be honest. So that's kind of like a a tough sort of bar to have for candidates, I think, at at this point. Okay. Well, well, there's the I was reading there's there's exactly one senator who's libertarian as of right now. So it's like a state senator, a state senator. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's clearly. Uh, I it's mean, clear- there's local representatives. There are libertarians in local office all over the place, and that's awesome. But I mean, but, I, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to make that sort of having been elected as a libertarian as a standard for for running for libertarian higher libertarian oh. office because it's it's so difficult to even do. But the Libertarian Party is the third biggest party in the country. We keep reading about this. So why isn't anyone? You know, at the state level, why is it, you know, if you're at the state level for a few years, then you move up to well, maybe you got to join the Libertarian Party of Ohio with your man, Mark Feldman, and get more involved because that's that's how it works. I mean, oh, it's a matter of what people are doing man, on those Mark state Blair. levels. Exactly. Give me a Feldman Rico ticket. All right. So let's move on to the, the, the main stage here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Things are happening in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Ovens, I know, you, I know uh, you. Um, the critic. I know you uh, ran into Daryl Perry. I know he was attended the Las Vegas debate, so I don't want. I don't want to leave him off this thing. Uh, we are already. We already. I think we already talked about Kevin McCormick as much as we're going to. Um, although I'm sure. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I, I liked him except for like one thing. I won't go into it. But, he seems. Uh, I don't know what to say about him. Like he just seemed to be. I don't know. He seemed like a generically like not really wrong on that much, but he just didn't strike me as I don't know. I can't. I, he just struck struck me as just kind of like a white bread like libertarian 
ish dude. Let me just say one thing. And maybe I'm not giving him a fair shot because I was kind of distracted when I was watching the debate. I, I want to say one thing because it was so funny. Kevin McCormick. So he had one. Kevin! I really. <laughs> do that every few minutes. That really struck me is that he goes, they asked about foreign aid and he goes, you know what? Instead of teaching people how to, how to shoot, you know, and kill people. And that comes back around to hurt us, which I agree with that. He goes, you know, we should be over there helping to teach him to fish and to farm. Again, I think it was an analogy, but it, I, I, I did well, remember that point as well. Is it a teach, teach a man to fish and he'll be able to eat for the rest of his life, something like that? Yeah, or <laughs> something like that. But or we, just don't shoot that man. <laughs> How about well, he that? He came back around to it, though. And later on, like they, he, they asked him again about U.S. troop uh, deployments. And bases, and he goes, yeah, they shouldn't, you know, U.S. troops aren't helping us abroad, and which I agree with, of course. And he, then he comes back around to it again, and he's like, fishing. yeah, we shouldn't be having bases. We should be teaching people to fish. We should have fishing like, bases. Like Troy McClure out there. <laughs> maybe he's just laying, maybe he's laying the groundwork for the Salmons of Liberty. Oh, we got to get. <laughs> yeah, gotta I already got a call back in. Podcast. You got to get Kevin McCormick out there. He'll be our man. Hey, maybe Salmons I will. Liberty maybe I will. Maybe he'll be get, the, get the nomination, then I'll have to have him on. <laughs> All right, so uh, Ovens, <laughs> if you can stop your giggling for a moment. See, we have fun in the show, I told you. It's great. Um, so uh, let's talk about Daryl for a minute, because I, I know you talked to him a bit uh, at, at the uh, at the debate. I know he was in attendance, though not invited to participate. I would probably call Daryl, like, uh, if I was going to tier these guys, like, on tier 1A or tier 2, whatever. Like, right below those top three. Because I do see a lot of people talking about him. And I, I've seen a lot of uh, Facebook chatter, at least, about a lot of people that plan to support him at the convention. So, I mean, I don't... He's not being treated by debates and by a lot of people like uh, like a top-tier candidate. But, I don't know, from from minor delegate chatter, I see. He, he is being considered by a lot of people. So, uh, you want to just give your impressions of Daryl? I don't know how personally you know him. I, I mean, I, I had a great interview with him a few weeks ago. But... uh. What 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 did you get from him just in, in the short amount of time you might have spoken to him about his his thoughts about maybe not being in the debate and his his kind of prospects for uh, for this libertarian nomination? Sure, I um well, I mean, Daryl and I have known each other on Facebook for years, and um, every year he sends me a very sweet Christmas card that tells me that I'm awesome. So that's he's fantastic. Actually, that was I was very surprised when I got it. There. I was like, oh my god, I'm awesome. Thanks. That's what just said, Paul says about my Christmas cards. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Like I, T- I tomorrow's lines of liberty headline. Ovens <laughs> O'Brien admits that Daryl Perry's been sucking her. Count. It's either hey fuck you, Rand, or hey okay. No, I appreciate, I appreciate this about Daryl though, is that he's, you know, he's thoughtful and he, um, and, and, and I was very surprised to get a Christmas card that I still have it. And it says like, keep being awesome. And it's really sweet. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but anyway, I, I've known Daryl for a while. Um, he moved to uh, New Hampshire after I had already left. So I didn't get to know him as part of like the free state project or actually he might've actually been, I don't, I don't know when the hell he moved. I think he moved in 2012. So yeah, um, we missed each other in New Hampshire, but um, but I've been kind of paying attention to him. You know, he, he's kind of the libertarian wing of the libertarian, uh, party when it comes to the, the, you know, he's, he's definitely a staunch anarchist. Um, and, uh, and I, I have all sorts of love and respect for that. You know, I, I most of my, well, not most of my friends, but a, a large chunk of my friends are anarchists and we, uh, and that's, that's definitely kind of the, the subset of libertarianism I often hang in. So, um, uh, when it comes to, to Daryl, I haven't, I didn't talk to him about not being included in the debate. Um, 
but you know, we, he, uh, he definitely expressed a little bit of disappointment when I, uh, um, when I posted a kind of a, it was a, a Facebook casual Facebook post where I explained why I'm fond of John McAfee and I, I didn't really mention anyone. I just said, John McAfee, Peterson and Johnson and, uh, and, and both, uh, Daryl and, uh, and Feldman both commented on my status to be like, excuse me. With broken like, hearts. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, and I felt, I felt really bad about it because when I write a long article or something, I make sure to include other people and both, both Perry and Feldman, I would consider probably like four and five in terms of, of, uh, of, of their, you know, attention getting or, yeah, or level in the, you know, so I'd, I'd really, it's, that's what I'd say is you got the top three and then like Daryl and, and Mark are probably four and five. And, um, in terms of, of delegates supporting him, I've seen a lot of delegates say that they'll support him, uh, in the first round of voting. Um, I don't think he's got the numbers of, of the, of the other three, but you know, a lot of people come to the convention and don't make their decision until they're there on the floor, watch the debates, et cetera. So, or the debate. So, you know, who knows? Um, but, uh, but no, I think he's doing a great job. I think that, that a lot of times someone like that, whether or not he gets the nomination, you know, he, he influences the conversation in a more libertarian direction. You know, when you, when you're up in a debate at some point and you've got someone like him making sure that the conversation stays very libertarian, um, and stays very, you know, anarchist, then you, you know, it, it pushes the debate that in that direction, which I think is good, you know? And uh, it's it's kind of like when Ron Paul is in the in the Republican debates or Rand Paul's in the Republican debates, and and it's you know bringing up conversations that might not happen otherwise. And so regardless of of where it comes from a you know voting perspective, there's there's that there's the fact that that can be injected into a conversation. So um, so yeah, no, I hung out with Daryl. We got a picture together, which was great. And um, uh, I think it's his profile picture on Facebook right now, which was cool. Um, and uh, and no, more evidence of the stalking. Go on. <laughs> But, uh, but no, he was a, he was a total joy. We, we had a good conversation and, um, I'm, I'm, I mean, it was really classy of him to show up and, and, you know, and talk to each of the, um, uh, the, to talk to each of the other nominees, um, and, or candidates. And, um, I think someone posted on my Facebook feed today and I, I haven't verified it, but they said something about him saying that McAfee was his second choice after himself. And I, I, um, they said that he said it on free talk live today and I, I don't have it. So I don't like, I don't want to like, you know, state that for like, you know, for sure. Cause I wasn't, I didn't witness it, but, but someone told me that he, he actually uh, spoke well of McAfee as possibly a second choice. If he doesn't make it through the first round of voting in, in the, uh, in the LP um, convention. So that was, that was cool to hear. So there's, there's some intrigue there. Cause I mean, there, <clears throat> while, I mean, we'll get more of your thoughts on the on this process of, of actually nominating maybe towards the end of the show, because I, I mean, while clearly I think Gary has the most support among delegates probably right now, it's not clear if that's the 51 percent support he would need on the first ballot. And things could get interesting on the second ballot if a number of, of the candidate supporters sort of coalesce. So, um, yeah, so that could get really interesting. But we'll talk about that, that towards the end real quick. But um, so why don't we get into this debate? I mean, you were you were there live. You know more than anybody here what actually happened. You're actually the only one that knows what actually happened because the only <laughs> thing i know is from your tweets and your article so you are the primary source on this one so we're just gonna maybe just kind of touch on each of the candidates and, and maybe uh we'll, we'll kind of try to maybe get a good and bad point from each one and, and talk about that for a bit and then sure. we'll just get sort of the overall thoughts first of all what are your kind of overall thoughts of, of the setup of the debate i know it was kind of uh it was sort of pen i guess doing like a town hall style thing with each of them and then they all came up for sort of like a, a rapid fire round at the end was that the basic format 
So it was, I think it was four sections, and the first section was each of them was introduced, uh, came up, got to do a, I don't know, one or two minute introduction of themselves, and then they, uh, and then they were asked a specifically pointed question about themselves, um, and about what, I think, I, I'm pretty sure Penn asked, uh, uh, McAfee about, um, Belize, but, um, uh, but then, uh, so each of them had a question that was focused specifically on themselves and their campaign. Um, and then they, after that, they all went off stage and then they brought out three podiums. And, um, and then that was from that point forward, they were all asked questions together. And the, the second round was, um, uh, was celebrity tweets or questions. Um, and so there were a bunch of, a bunch of cool people, um, like, um, Lawrence Krauss actually asked one of them, uh, which I, I, uh, I was really surprised. He asked a question about science funding and government. Um, I'll admit but, to having no idea who that is. Um, he wrote the he wrote the book. I fuck. I'm gonna fuck it. Up. Uh, the universe from nothing. I think um, I might be getting that title wrong. But he's he's a great uh, author and, and uh, speaker on on like atheism and stuff. So he's a guy um, people know. Okay. Yeah, Except very. But I was very, pissed very, that Vince Vaughn and uh, oh god, who's the star? Of Big Trouble in Little China. I'm blanking on his name right now. Kurt, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Thank you. I read that Vince Vaughn and Kurt Russell didn't get questions. Yeah, but, no, neither Clay of them. Aiken. Yeah, Clay Aiken had one. It's all, um, I, it's all for I me. Mean, <laughs> I was interested. Like Clay Aiken had one, um, Clay and then Aiken. like. Uh, D. Snyder asked one. Um, were were the celebrities supposed to be? I mean, was it based on like um, choosing celebrities that might sort of be libertarian-ish, or was it more just like pen, pen no, by was, outside you know, of was, the venue at the time? No, it was. It was specifically. I think Penn Penn was looking for for people who you know might be informed enough to ask an intelligent question, but uh-huh. not necessarily uh, people who were remotely libertarian. And right, so, right. I mean, Drew Carey was asked a question, and Drew is is great. He's you know, he's he's libertarian. Um, but um, like D. Snyder was funny like his question um if i remember correctly like because it was funny because we there's a video that was gonna be playing that that shows them asking the question but for the purposes of recording it pen actually like just asked the question for them and we just kind of pretended we were watching a video of it and um and so then then it gets injected and it gets added in the in the, the magical post-production process but um what the uh what he, he did is is pen tried to kind of like uh be whichever person was asking the question. So when it came to D's, he was like, what the fuck is a libertarian? And how are you going to save us from Donald Trump? And it was great. It was really funny. Like, um, so Pren basically like eight impressions of celebrities. <laughs> yeah, it was. And only you get to see that live. That's so cool. It was, it was weird. I knew but I should was, have canceled out of work and gone. It was. Things thoroughly entertaining and so um so no so they asked questions there were questions asked of them and a lot of those questions what i liked about those is they um is they were an opportunity to kind of test the waters in terms of how libertarians are going to ask answer questions to non-libertarians like let's say let's say that the libertarian nominee gets into a main debate the questions are not going to be geared towards a libertarian answer and they're not going to be about you know you're not going to see like uh Will you end Mike, the Fed? Yeah, <laughs> Mike Wallace is not going to be like, would you make a baker, a Jewish baker, bake a gay Nazi cake? Yes or no, Mr. Trump? Like, that's not happening. Tell us your detailed explanation of the non-aggression principle. Right? Like, that's not, that's not the kind of question. So what's yeah. interesting is is um, is the questions were things like, you know, uh, um, there, are, there are many tracks of science funding that – um, or scientific research that don't necessarily have a, an immediate profit. Um, and, you know, how, how would you deal with that? Don't you think government should help with some of that in the form of grants, et cetera? And what was interesting is, is, um, 
is each of the each of the candidates for the most part when you ask a bunch of libertarians questions you think you get different styles of answer but typically you know the the it's going to be no government shouldn't do that right um what was interesting is i think that question if i remember correctly is um McAfee basically said he thought the 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 private industry um the private industry could 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 handle that um uh and i think he cited like um you know SpaceX or Elon Musk or something like that and then um and and similarly with Austin but Gary Johnson gave the strangest response to that, which is he basically said, yeah, there is, there is a, um, there is a justification for something like science funding. And then he stated, um, oh wait, I actually quoted it because it was, he said government could offer prizes for scientific achievement, like maybe a billion dollars for a cure for cancer. And that was just very like that was weird. That was weird to see happen in 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 the debate because well, everyone else. Is uh, the weird about- thing is that I I'm not surprised he said that, and I should be surprised that a libertarian candidate said that, but I'm not. Because I've heard enough of Gary Johnson to not be shocked by that. Well, that's the thing is every time I see Gary in a debate, I like him less. And I feel really bad about that because he, he very well might be the nominee. And I want to support whoever the nominee is. But every time he's in a debate, it feels like he doesn't understand core principles. And it's it's fine to deviate from core principles. But you should at least be able to justify how you why you make that move away from, you know, if you take a core principle that – the government should not do something or the, or that, or that we, you know, we own our bodies or whatever, whatever your core is there, like the nap or then you should, if you're deviating from that, that's perfectly fine. You just have to justify what, how you got there. But it's like, he forgot that that's the, the core of it. And the mean, and like, did he in, forget or did he never know? I mean, I it, know. that's the thing. It's like, to I me, know. I mean, I, I just go Rico. I think I heard you talk. It, go. I almost did. Uh, objection. <laughs> you sound like you're slowly like waking up. <laughs> there was a lot of different booze in my throat at the time. Oven said nap and it woke you from it your nap. It wasn't just booze in that throat. You guys were talking for a while. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Um, is Gary Johnson I object. Really a libertarian? I mean, he's in – is he like libertarian like Donald Trump's a Republican? Well, he's a libertarian if you define libertarian as – Fiscally conservative and socially right. liberal, oh, which I just was mad about that. Like, I was mad know? about that today in the Lions of Liberty Forum, <laughs> which you can join by searching Lions of Liberty Forum on Facebook. Thank you. There's that. Point. Well, but look, like we're talking about, especially with Ovens is talking about there with, and, and you guys are talking about with this, you know, saying a million dollars to cure cancer. That was basically Hillary Clinton's answer for how to cure cancer as well. If you recall from a few yeah. debates she ago, said, or put up a hundred billion dollars and someone will cure it. Yeah, she's like, yeah, with the government money, we'll spend millions and we'll cure cancer. <laughs> she said millions and Johnson said billions. So Gary is to the yeah. left of Hillary on the cancer <laughs> issue. Way more serious about that. <laughs> yeah, he really wants to cure cancer and throwing money at it from the taxpayers is clearly the solution. Here's the thing. Yeah, I, I listen maybe to- we could get rid of the FDA and we could test more of these things before instead of spending 10, 12 years in trials. Right? That would be a great answer. That would be an excellent answer, right? Like there's so many there's so many good answers that like I understand that that Gary right now seems to be wanting to appeal to the liberal side of things, which I I honestly think it feels like he wants to get this libertarian bullshit over with so he can just go be a socially liberal, fiscally conservative candidate like he wants to be. We're his vegetables and the presidency is his dessert. 
<laughs> like I don't I don't know yes. like it's but it's it's funny because like there are so many excellent answers to various questions that can appeal to conservative audiences or the liberal audiences which still maintain a libertarian core and I you know there's so many options right like you know like you know uh when it comes to scientific research the government stands in in, in the way of that sort of thing all the time and it's unfortunate because there are so many people who have horrible diseases that need to be cured and if we could get the if we could get rid of the FDA or or loosen or loosen regulations surrounding it then we could we could see a whole host of new drugs and new options for for people like that's a beautiful inspirational response but god damn it Gary you don't get it like that's that's what that's killing me is like he doesn't seem to understand that there's a perfectly valid libertarian response that can that can appease like the hearts and minds of liberals or conservatives whichever you're trying to appeal at the time I listened to a three-hour podcast uh, with Gary Johnson on Joe Rogan show today and uh, the, one of the first things that Joe asked is basically like, what's libertarianism? Like, what is it? And Gary Johnson basically said, well, nobody really knows. It kind of doesn't have a definition. Uh, I mean, when you ask people, I mean, he was sort of referring to like passing people on the street. Nobody really knows in that sense, uh, in fairness. But he was also kind of saying like, he was kind of saying there's no definition. And then I mean, it's one thing if you say people don't really know, but here's my take. But really all he could say, well, he's like, for me, well, it, it's because I'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal. And I just, I, just, I just hate that because, okay, so how many regular Republicans does that describe? I mean, you're basically saying I'm a Republican who doesn't hate gay people uh, and, and likes uh, and abortions. Yeah. Uh, they're not that many, really. Let's be honest. But. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the the attempt to to make libertarianism more mainstream. Right. I do think that most people in the in this country are kind of fiscally conservative and kind of socially liberal, and I think that he's trying to tap into that. But I think he's doing so in a really, really uninspiring way, and that's unfortunate. And he looks like a bird. (laughs) (laughs) I I hear that where, you know, uh, I think it was said on Joe Rogan's podcast where he's like, yeah, most people are, in fact, socially or um, fiscally conservative, socially liberal. But are most people fiscally conservative now? Because I think think it's a dubious claim. I I don't know. It's kind of tapping into the claim where most people are like, gimme, gimme, gimme. And someone else pay. I kind of get the idea that most people don't give two fucks how much money the government spends, to be honest with you. I think that, too. And, uh, you know, the whole fiscally conservative, just like people don't care about that. They they care how much the government takes from them. Right. Well, they don't understand. Yeah, they don't understand where it's coming from all the time. They're like, oh, how dare you? But yeah, please give me more money, even though it's they don't understand it's coming from speculators. It pays for everything. Right. (laughs) It's pennies from heaven. And, you know, but we're already past If you look at it statistically, we're already past the point of no return because the point of no return was essentially 51 percent scary. Well, like Bane now. 51 percent of the American populace is already on some sort of government subsidy in one way or another. So you could argue that that is the voting block that should be inspired to vote for their best interest, which is, of course, keeping the government tap open. So the rest of us are are sitting here going, "Okay, well, shit. Apparently, I'm sitting next to Mitt Romney because he said this four years ago. (laughs) Well, Mitt Romney was right then, wasn't he? He had a much better set of hair. Oh, he had a set of hair. Well, speaking of Mitt Romney, while we're on the subject of Gary Johnson, um, you know, he recently announced that he would be, I guess, is not official, obviously, and nothing's official because the delegates get to choose this. But he's basically has come out and said that he's going to choose uh, this guy, William Weld, a former governor of Massachusetts, 
as who he wants to be his VP anyway. Again, that's chosen by the delegates, uh, but I think the delegates do often go with the the, uh, the presidential nominee's choice. Weld or Will Weldon, uh, who is also known as Wesley Crusher on Star Trek: The Next Generation, (laughs) because it's Wesley Crusher. He's got my vote. Yeah, that's Will Wheaton. Come on, we don't need we don't need a podcast anymore. Shut up, Wesley. Get your socially (laughs) socially liberal fiscal conservative wills right. I don't know, but I've seen two pictures of him. One of them, he's in with, with Mitt Romney, and the other, he's with nobody. But in both of them, his face is really red. Like when, when somebody who's like really pale gets drunk and like their face turns red, that's what he looks like in every picture I've seen of him. Like so, the New York yes. Giants, former head coach. And that's all I know about him. But I've read a couple articles, and I mean, look, it's, this is, it's kind of the same take I have on Gary Johnson. He sounds like a guy who's pretty good for a Republican. Like, not that bad for a Republican. But is that what, or is that the goal of being a libertarian and, and, and espousing a, liber, a libertarian ticket? Is it to have people that just will kind of appeal to other people a little bit more because they're not that hardcore, they've got experience, and then then what? Then what happens? Did did you inspire people about the ideas of liberty, or did you maybe inspire a few more people to click a button in a box? Well, this was our ongoing debate when Rand was running as well. As well, yeah, I mean, I honestly, personally, I. I like to rate these people over the coals like Gary Johnson, and I'd rather have yeah, any of the other two candidates be – I'd rather have Peterson or McAbee over, over Johnson. But at the end of the day, look, a lot of this is going is to happen incrementally. We like to say this is the time for a libertarian candidate because people are dissatisfied. you got Clinton and Trump. you got two, two pieces of dump to vote for, and now's the time. But at the same time, people aren't ready to accept that. So you can't have somebody – like Daryl Perry would have no chance in hell. We all can agree on that, I'm sure. But because, none of these guys have any chance. No, I think I honestly think McAfee. I think John McAfee has a real chance to win the president. Be president to be president. Okay, well, we, you're in there. With Donald Trump is a nominee, and McAfee is arguably more successful than Trump because he wasn't given eight hundred million dollars to start with, and he hasn't gone bankrupt. He's very successful. He's very intelligent, and he's lived the life. I mean, he owns all his shit, unlike Trump who tries to play it off and insult people. John McAfee, you watch him. It's hard to watch McAfee speak without being like, God damn, I like John McAfee. I do like John McAfee. I, 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 I love him. I'd love him to be president. But I, I disowned not- my own father and I wrote John McAfee a letter and I said, John McAfee, please be my father. He hasn't written back. <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> Salmon's a liberty, I believe. <laughs> Now, speaking of John McAfee, since you, 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 you mentioned his name three times, Brian, so like, like Beetlejuice, now we have to talk about him. Uh, now he's here. He's, a, he's, a, he's actually in the studios with me. He's right behind me. Uh, but, Ovens, you have actually endorsed formally John McAfee, so you are somewhat biased in that sense. But uh, you did do pretty, I think, a pretty fair summary of the debate on, your, on the Libertarian Republic, so we'll link to that in the show notes. But uh, why, I guess why don't you just start off, uh, why did you endorse John McAfee, first of all? Um, well, I, I just, I like John uh, a lot. I mean, I actually, just for the record, like I, I really like Austin personally. We're, we're friends. I write for TLR. Um, and you know, and Gary and I met. And he still kept you on even when he endorsed someone else. Yeah, right. <laughs> I did, actually, he's, he's, a uh, he has been fine with us endorsing or writing about any of the other candidates. He's hasn't, doesn't have an issue with that. Um, what, one thing I really love about Austin is, 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 is as an aside is that Austin is very, very fond of amplifying voices he thinks are intelligent around him. And he does doesn't really 
mind if they disagree with him. So even though like I like I, I'm a I'm known as a feminist writer and he's very much known as not a feminist advocate in any way, shape or form, he was like, Oh, I really like what you have to say and you make me think about things, so I want you to write for me. And so that what I really appreciate about Austin is that he loves to cultivate different views around him and he doesn't have he doesn't, you know, have a lot of like sour grapes over people not agreeing with him and he just wants to uh, amplify really intelligent people, which I really appreciate about him. Um I like- I like how you start your Mac the endorsement off with with a minute about how you, how much you love Austin. <laughs> but uh, well, but the thing is, so so for McAfee, I mean McAfee is just he's he's a character in a lot of different ways, and I, I mean I've, I've met him a few times now, and we're uh, and and we're friendly. I, I know his wife. What well does he and- smell like? <laughs> cigarettes um, <laughs> you know that's what i would have guessed actually um, uh, <laughs> but um like but, old, old like old scott like three days scotch that's been sitting out and and like and cigarettes yeah and straight up winston salem like old school <laughs> like cigarette. the cigarettes my mom smoked yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so, uh, so no, um, but John, it's funny is I've gotten to know John a lot through, through, uh, Judd Weiss. And so, um, and so basically when, when Judd approached me like very early this year and said, Hey, John McAfee is talking about having me as his VP candidate. And I was like, Oh, that's a really cool idea. And he was like, what do you think of that? And we were like, wait out the pros and the cons. And, and as a result, I got to know John a little bit more through Judd before telling Judd that he should do it. And of course Judd made his own mind up, but you know, I, I was, I was happy to, to say, Hey, I think this is a really cool idea for you. And so, um, so I really got to know, know John through Judd's passion for him. And, uh, and, and then as I, as I looked at how he, uh, he really, I know that his stances weren't 100% libertarian before. I certainly can see that if I read through some of his old, uh, his old stuff when he was like cyber party and, and right, other yeah, cyber party got a lot of iffy stuff. But, but, but what's interesting is that like, I, I think that once someone basically, I think maybe it was Judd or some, or some, somebody basically just said, okay, here's the basic concept of libertarianism and did, you know, and explained it in a way far more articulately than Gary Johnson. I think that that I think that just literally just meshed with the human being that John McAfee happens to be. And what I really appreciate about appreciate about him is that he he really does seem to like eat, sleep and breathe the concept of liberty. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to, you know, fuck whom I want. And I'm going to drink what I want and put whatever I want into my body. And there's, there's such a, a, a sense of self-ownership and, and, um, and just kind of like self-responsibility that's in his own, just his, his entire persona, his entire, you know, who he is that I, uh, I find, I, I find that, you know, both charming and, 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 and also that he, I feel like he has that kind of that base understanding where you, you know, you can bring up a libertarian topic to him that he hasn't been practiced on in, in terms of an issue. And he's going to go, okay, let me assess that to the first principle that I understand, you know, which is I own my body and I own my mind. Yeah. And, Robbins, I, I just want to compliment you. I, I think you have completely and very eloquently expressed exactly why I think all of us I essentially are, are McAfee supporters at this point, and and you really. I mean, I like him a lot. I'm not going to formally endorse anyone, but I, I mean, I think what you're saying, what you're about to say, is is my feelings as well. So go yeah, on. I mean, it's essentially it's what we all feel is that you you we all acknowledge that in the past, like you said, the Cyber Party, he's had some things where you say, eh, I don't know if I agree with that, but to his being, he is a living embodiment of libertarianism. I mean, the man has lived it. He he believes it, and and like you said, it's 
it's something where he doesn't have to overthink it. It's just what he naturally believes and what we would hope that many other people naturally believe before they get brainwashed and conned into into buying into the system. So, uh, yeah, well done. I, I think we should cut that soundbite and that uh, John Mack should put it in his next uh, epilepsy endorsing or inducing commercial. Well, I think, I think one of the big things, though, is that, you know, we talk a lot about when we're talking about libertarianism, we're talking about talking to non-libertarians about libertarianism. We talk about waking people up, right? We talk about introducing them to the principles of liberty and for them to suddenly be awake and just get it, right? So what I look at, when I look at John McAfee, I look at that he's somebody who personally was fairly libertarian in his own lifestyle. And, you know, he was, he was around a paradigm that said, oh, of course, government should take care of this and blah, 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 and public works programs or whatever the hell he was advocating for because it was all he really, that was the paradigm he existed in. And then when someone woke him up to libertarianism, he he suddenly looked at what he felt about his own life and then he, and then he was woken up to that concept and and it like it came together and 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 so then he was he was woken up and there he was and so i don't i don't think we should uh, we should attack somebody who 6 months ago said something different when they when it's clear that they have actually like um when they've clearly like done that assessment and woken up to it and here they are and i think that's that's one of the biggest things i say when i'm talking to other people about waking people up to liberty is is that if uh, if someone everyone wants to be free in their own personal lives, they have something that they want to be able to do, whether it's, you know, marry the person they love or take whatever drug they want or, you know, or just, you know, or, or just take care of their family or have an abortion or whatever it is. And so many of us, you know, have that that desire, even even non libertarians. And it's that moment in which we connect to them, the idea that everyone else should have that right as well. And that's really the essence of, of, of getting people to embrace liberty. And I feel like John McAfee has done that. And so that's why I'm so like gung ho about him. I mean, I mean Daryl's been called the pure libertarian. And I, I think he is in a certain sense. But to me, John McAfee feels pure in the sense that I don't think he stayed up late last night reading Murray Rothbard till 4 a.m. to come to his <laughs> beliefs. Right. I think he like just that. believes this. It's just the way he feels about life and and you know how people should be treating each other and that it just comes across as very genuine when he speaks exactly yeah, exactly and it's like austin he he has sound bites we talked about this before where austin i i i appreciate him and he's a very intelligent man i like him but he comes across as very canned and especially in debates it's like sound bite Sound bite, sound bite. I mean, I, this is pretty and much what it's <laughs> like. He could give, he could give two shits. It's like his He's just talking about the car. Woke him up and said, "Hey, you got a debate? Get in the car. We got to get there in two right. minutes." <laughs> Austin Peterson. I agree with Brian. I like him, but it feels like he was saying everything he wanted to say in front of the mirror for the last five days. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's what Avin said in her article. That yeah. basically, uh, it sounded like he, he he says good things, but it does sound very rehearsed, and it probably is rehearsed. I mean, I don't know if I, if I had a debate I was going to, I would probably rehearse some of my answers too, just because I would be so nervous because I've never done this before. So yeah, I can totally see why you might over prepare and then why that would then come across. But his actual answers are, are for the most part pretty good. Yeah. They are great. He over relies on Jefferson quotes. I will say that. <laughs> it's like, and for my 50. Yeah, you got to mix in a little quotes, Madison, Austin. Come I on. Said, you know who's great? Black slaves love him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. That's off color. I've been drinking. But hey, Jefferson did have a lot of sex with a lot of slaves. Let's be honest with ourselves. It's a fact. And Austin has not mentioned any of those quotes. <laughs> Austin. Gary, that's how Gary Johnson can finally win a confrontation with Austin. Kevin! <laughs> He could call him out on Jefferson's slave having sex. What, wait, anyway. just, why is Gary Johnson like kind of winning if he is? 
other than the fact that he was governor. Before. He is winning, and it's it, it's yeah. perplexing. Because you think about libertarians as smart people who would governor. analyze things honestly. And yeah, well, I, I think governor, so therefore he's the best. Yeah, which is kind of saying. Let me uh, let me toss out a theory, and then Avins can respond. To she's been in this party for a really long time. So my thought is that many people in the, and look, I have not been actively involved in the Libertarian Party at all. So I am an outsider, just giving a perspective on what I've seen. Mark and, would yell at me if I ever capitalized L's in our articles. You're right, I would. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> there's a difference between the party and the philosophy. There is. I agree with you. I agree with you. Good. Remember, then I was I, correct I, I to chastise you. Calls, like, what did you do? I don't think I ever called you about this. <laughs> uh, what text. have you done? Angry, angry, angry text with a lot of emojis. We're never going to be lions of liberty like this. That was a flashback. Flashback in 2011. <laughs> anyway. See, now I don't even know what I was talking about. Talking about no, my I got it. work here is done. Thanks I got it. Listen to Lions Liberty Podcast. <laughs> I got it. No. <laughs> but basically, uh, I think that a lot of the people in the Libertarian Party have a very strong desire that, that really becomes more powerful towards election time, towards big election time every four years, that sometime, somehow whatever principle can get shuffled to the side because there's a need for political acceptance. And I see all this talk about, we just got to get acceptable people out there. We saw it in 2008 with Bob Barr. Oh, he's a Republican. He's a congressman. He's respectable. We can put him up there. We saw it in 2012 with Gary Johnson. Oh, he's a two-term governor. People like him. He, he's, he's an acceptable politician. There's a, I see these words being used over and over and over and i get it to an extent because yeah i guess you don't want people to see libertarians as as crazy fringe people that have no you know no way to actually run for office and and gary johnson gives a credibility in that sense but are are you sacrificing actually delivering a message and building a real movement of people that know what they're rallying around for this acceptance that what does it ultimately get you if you're being accepted for things that don't represent what you believe in rant complete I, go on, <laughs> Rico. Any any objections? I, I agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that I think that libertarians, uh, I mean, and and libertarians each being an individual and having their own perspective on the party and and what they need to do to succeed. Um, I think that. Uh, I think that there's a lot of struggle to figure out, you know, what level of. Um, what level of I don't give a fuck are they comfortable with compared like and, and then and then kind of like tempered with, you know, I just want people to like me. And I think that that's I mean, that's I honestly that's that's the human condition, isn't it? Um, but yeah. but I think that uh, that I think that a lot of libertarians I mean, it's I would say I actually said this to to Brian Doherty of reason uh, during after the after party during uh, the um, after the debate. I is, met uh, Keanu I, Reeves once. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That's and sorry. Kevin Spacey, right? <laughs> oh, that's good. Kev- I'm good oh, Kevin I'm not going to have celebrity conversations with you. That's a totally I know. Sorry, I'm just, I'm but, just busting. No, I'm just busting. I, I we'll do this. We'll talk about that stuff on Lines of Liberty After Dark, which we're going to record as soon as we, we finish this. But, uh, but no, I, I think that uh, I was telling him that one of the most interesting things I found is that um, is that because I mean, there's there's some things about Johnson, there's some things about McAfee, there's some things about Austin, and there's some things about the other candidates that people have real issues with, and um, and it's interesting because I've I've seen the fights, I've seen like the the libertarians like at the conventions, like the 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 bitterness and the and the, the infighting that happens internally, and they're like, oh no, I can't believe we're gonna choose that guy, and because I will be honest, in 2008, I was that person, I was that person going, oh my god, I can't believe we chose John, uh, Bob Barr. 
And I was furious about it. And I remember just being like, just really like taking my crayons and going home. And, and I think that there's a lot of that. And I think that that's a problem. And what I see is I'm in all these different groups. I'm actually in like Gary Johnson's campaign group, Austin Peterson's campaign group, and John McAfee's campaign group, because everyone's invited me to all of them. So I'm in these Facebook groups and watching people talk about these candidates. And they're saying, oh God, if this guy gets the nomination, it's the end of the party. It's never, this is going to be the end of civilization. And it's hilarious to me because all of them are saying about it, but the, about the other ones. And I, I've never seen so much of that about the top three candidates. So people are saying if McAfee is nominated, I just, I won't, I can't handle it. And, and people are saying if Austin is nominated, I can't handle it. And people are even saying that about Johnson. And I'm, I'm fascinated because I mean, all of them, as I, as I said in my endorsement, all of them have the potential to in some way embarrass us. There's, there are, they all have skeletons in their closet and they're all, you know, they're all, you know, like in, in their own ways, just, you know, there's, there are things that are unpalatable about them, but I'm, I'm so, I'm so fascinated by the fact that there are such strong emotions about them. And I think that seeing as most people have never heard of libertarians and, and, and never given a shit about us, I'm kind of excited about the fact that there's so much energy and, and, uh, and interest even outside of the libertarian spectrum about them. So it'll, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting floor vote on at the convention. And I, I, I can't wait to see what happens. I'll be there. What have you, you so, guys should come. So this goes, oh, I, I'm actually going to be in Mexico during this we, thing. You know, so we, we, we really talked about it. We're going to talk to, uh, to Johnny Adams, the Johnny rocket podcast. He's going to be there. If you're, if you're with him. We're going to do a little show with him, uh, from, gonna, from the convention, a little preview for, yeah, we're going to expand our on-site presence in the future. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I think you make a good point. And, and I mean, I, it, it's fantastic to actually have liberal debates. Number one, let's just sit back and be amazed that libertarian debates are actually televised in right. any way, shape or form. Right. And that we have multiple candidates that are actually reasonable. And we say, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, All until right. this year, I never heard of the libertarian candidate until there was a libertarian candidate. Now, part of yeah, that's exactly. my lack of involvement, but I think that overall the movement is paying more attention to this. And uh, I think that can only be a good thing. Absolutely. Well, I, have a, I have a question. I know we're running, we're, we're running up against the wall of time, but I have a, I have a question for you guys. The too. wall of time sounds the frightening. Wall of time isn't that from the movie? <laughs> what is it? Time Chasers? What was that movie? Wrote a book about that. Too. <laughs> no. Uh, but no, here's my question. McAfee, we've got to get back to the future. <laughs> I got some bats. Oh uh, man, can we can we please reshoot Back to the Future with John McAfee as Doc <laughs> Brown? Can that and Austin Peterson as Marty McFly? Come oh my on. God, yeah. And then, oh, and Gary Johnson so would be a great George McFly. So good. Hey, hey, Brian. Photoshop. Brian, you got to Photoshop homework. Gary Johnson is George McFly. Austin is Marty. And uh, McAfee is Doc Brown. Get on it. As soon as we hang up this call. Send me an email to remind me. I've had a lot to drink. Oh, boy. But no, here's my question is, to your point, uh, Ovens, you're, you know, we're talking about people that come there. They say, I can't. You know, I can't imagine voting for that guy. Blah, blah. And, and to the point of also wanting to be accepted and want to be liked. Because Mark and I... We've mentioned this on a podcast before. Hate each other. found to many times. For Ron Paul, who, who brought us into the liberty movement, we were inspired enough that we said, okay, we're going to go door to door. And what we did, we found a lot of people who said, I really like Ron Paul, but I'll never vote for him because he won't win. And basically what that means is not really that he won't win. It means essentially what you said, that they, they can't vote for him because they don't want to say they voted for somebody that – they feel had no chance of winning or that their peers would say, ah, well, yeah, threw your vote away, you moron. Exactly. And I wonder how many people in the Libertarian Party 
like saying, especially now in the era of hipsters we live in, <laughs> that they are libertarian. But at the end of the day, they're libertarian on Facebook. They're libertarian when they're drunk at a bar. But when it comes <laughs> down to it, they're going to vote Republican or Democrat because they don't think libertarian politics is actually ever going to be a thing. Well, how about people that we look to like Rand Paul not endorse Donald Trump because he is the Republican candidate. Yeah, agreed. But he goes out on a limb and says, you know what? That guy doesn't represent what I believe in. John McAfee does. That and would be nice. You know what? I'm going to step out on a limb here and say he would be the best candidate for vice president. Or uh, vice president. For, <laughs> I've also had a lot to drink. If, if, if McAfee was vice president, I might consider assassinating the president. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I take it back. Oh, no, that's, that's the cold open of the show. I don't know. About you get someone who actually has a position where people listen to come out and say, you know what? These two candidates are garbage, and I don't want either of them to be president. Even if, you know, oh, oh, I got to support the Republican, fuck that. Yeah, you want honesty in politics, yeah, here it is. Fuck that. I want John McAfee, I want Austin Peterson. Go look, listen to these debates and see what you think. How about someone who actually is established in the public eye, go out and do that. That's what the Libertarian Party needs. See, that's the thing, though, is they, ha they have to be established in the public eye, but if they're a member of, of one of the other parties, they really can't do it. And, and this is an interesting point that, uh, that like, Ron Paul has been speaking about, about, uh, about the presidential race, and Ron Paul has been able to say, look, if you're not, uh, if you're not a fan of Hillary, you're not a fan of Trump, don't vote for them. I mean, if you're a third, if you're a libertarian, vote libertarian. And someone actually asked him, like, um, you know, like you, you can say this, but you're, but why isn't Rand saying this? He's like, Rand is, has to get elected again. And that's the, the, the case. Like the but fact why does is, he have to get elected again. I mean, he's a doctor. He is a, he is you know a doctor. He's but, got but, a doctor. But at the end of the day, I mean, Rand's like, I need this job, man. Would, would okay, you say that Rand is doing good doctor. things in in the Senate or not? Because because that's mean, the key. Is like, I would rather. I mean, I'd love to have a Senate filled with people like Rand Paul or Thomas Massey or you know these there there are people who they're not as libertarian as I'd like. I will fight all day long on, with them on certain issues because I don't think they're libertarian enough. But I'd rather have them there than not in the office at all and have some I, some I Democrat or Republican. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. I definitely would rather have Rand Paul there than not there. But is he really jeopardizing his seat? Is is the Republican right Party now, so yes. in love with Donald Trump? The establishment loves oh. Donald Trump so much. Right, that right now he is. And I'll tell you, it, it's honestly, it's just because of the timing. Uh, I still think Rand would not have said vote libertarian to Rico's point. I do not think he would have gone out on that limb where he should have. But. As it falls right now, Rand just got – he had to go through a primary where oh, Republicans yeah. had to elect him to beat to rerun for the Senate as a Republican. I so know. he's in a precarious position. So I, I can understand why he wouldn't. But, hey, once this is done, it would be nice if he was like, hey, Trump, ah, your mother. <laughs> don't, I don't see Rand saying that. In a position that. where he's comfortable for the next X years, it would be great if he did that. You need someone to go out on a limb and actually for, – for any – Third party candidate says action. the guy who won't even reveal his name on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people. Um, what, what his name is Rico. What do you mean? <laughs> but you Come need on. someone to go out on a limb and actually kind of endorse the Libertarian Party. I think for it to have a legitimate chance. Well, at get more famous, Rico, and then then you can do it. 
We all know that if anyone's going to get famous, it's me. So hit your wagons to the star, guys. All right, folks. So, uh, Ovens, just one, one last question. Uh, would you say that there was a winner in this debate? Someone that that stood out as like coming out looking the best, looking like roses, Liberty, Liberty roses. I mean, honestly, I would say that uh, that overall, I think Johnson did. Uh, I think that Johnson lessened his opinion of him, uh, like my my opinion of him, in, in as a result of the debate. I think that McAfee gave a very strong performance, and I think that. Uh, but I think that Austin Peterson probably did the most consistently well. And that, that pains me to say as the supporter of, 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 of McAfee. But I told Austin afterwards, I was like, look, you were fantastic. I was like, you did give a really, really great performance. And you've made me really think about who my second my my second option would be if it wasn't McAfee. And, you know, and, and Austin was really, really grateful to me for saying that to him. But it really Austin Austin is he's somebody he's the little cat for liberty. Uh, but um, but at <laughs> the end of the day. I, I find that that Austin articulated our principles well, and he spoke to the left and to the right very, very well. Um, and any and I I was actually really impressed with his performance. So I would say that coming out of it, I think that um, people who are already McAfee fans are going to love him, and, and 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 anarchists will love McAfee for how he performed in this debate. Um, but I think that that Peterson may have the most converts out of it. So if there's anybody who's watching and not sure, I think that Peterson might have actually well, taken the most converts. Let me ask you this, because I've said this in, in a few podcasts previously, but maybe one. I don't know. They're all blurring together like my vision. But <laughs> uh, I, the way I view Peterson is that I like him a lot, but I feel like this isn't his time yet. Yet. Well, maybe he's laying laying the groundwork for the future. I mean, well, he, maybe feel, he even knows honestly, that. I, I honestly feel that way. I feel like he's making a strong showing. I feel like... Give him four more years because, I mean, we're talking about, yeah, if you want to talk electability, look, the dude looks very, very young. And I'd say give him four more years to to kind of four more his, years, four more four years, more <laughs> years. Own his of waiting his presence. <laughs> He might find a, a more receptive population down the line uh, a few years anyway. Well, I'll say and, Austin's and really probably Trump or Clinton, whoever gets if either of them happens to get elected. I think we might see a four year president and out. Well, we shall see. And I, I got to say, Austin has really impressed me as well just in the last few months with his campaign because, I mean, I have a lot of disagreements with him, maybe even fundamental disagreements. Yeah. Uh, but and you can look back on, you know, Christopher Cantwell's show and Pyramid of Pussy and all oh this God, shit, yes. SugarDaddy.com, whatever. Guess what, though? If you really look at the stuff he said and done, it's nothing outside of the realm of what normal people, normal men between 25 to 35 say and do sometimes. Well, uh, and I don't see way, any of it as a big deal. Party, we also advocate that prostitution should be legal. So. <laughs> and and SugarDaddy is not prostitution anyway, but whatever. Website or, or a SugarDaddy website, yeah, honestly, who gives a fuck? It's all stupid. But, it's, it's ridiculous. But he has really impressed me with his ability to articulate the ideas of liberty and do it i mean johnny adams you just mentioned him earlier he called me last week he's like man i heard your your interview with ron paul and i heard your listen your interview with austin like back to back and their positions are like almost the same so i mean if we're if we're gonna i mean there's people that think austin shouldn't be allowed in the party that's just absurd like he's a good he's definitely a good advocate for a lot of the things we believe in even if we disagree so so that's all I got, guys. We've gone very, very long, and it's been very, very fun. Ovens, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know uh, it was kind of impromptu, but I felt it was a good time to bring you on here to uh, give your perspective on as being the only one that's even seen this debate at this point. I do think it's really funny that this isn't going to air until after. It's, it is funny. It's a little experiment. It's a little experiment. 
<laughs> what day is it? What year is it? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. The bottle of whiskey is gone, folks. Yeah, Rico and I finished <laughs> this bottle. Well, at least we accomplished something here this evening. And uh, Ovens, I know you're new here, so play along if you want. But uh, I always close the show with a message that I like to send to our audience. And uh, I know Brian and Rico Always know drink yes. your Ovaltine. The, always drink your Ovaltine. And also, of course, don't forget, guys. Live long! And live free! I could have prepped you on the ending, Robin, so just didn't occur to me. Yeah, I know. You're like, oh, Star Trek, neat.